0: see everybody out this morning. Good to have all of our visitors. Uh, We're going to go ahead and get service started. Brother Ron Bagley is going to come around and uh, start us off in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you, God, for your grace, your love, your mercy. Lord, your long-suffering to me that I know that you probably had to exercise even this morning. God, I thank you, Lord, for the way that you uh, are for me and, Lord, the the good things, God, that uh, you let me be a part of. God, for dying on the cross for our sins this morning. God, would you please let us show you some gratitude this morning from worship. God is a beneficiary, Lord, of your suffering. I, I pray, Lord, we'll come in and worship you. Thank you, God, for loving us like you have. I pray for Brother Kerr as he comes. Lord, may you touch him and give him liberty, God, and, and give me something, Lord. I need something from you. Thank you, God, for loving us. In your name I pray. Amen. Let's all stand, page 271, uh, seventy-seven. Keep saying 71 this morning. Page 269. Продолжение следует...
1: Everybody having a good
2: morning?
1: Well, that's a little week. You've been washing the blood. You should be having a good morning every morning. Everybody having a good morning? Oh, yeah. So good to see Brother Robert back. Uh, I'm glad he's here. And uh, we've got a few announcements. It's not written down, so I'm going to say it first. We've got youth choir practice right after service, right? All right. So if you're in the youth choir, please hang around after that. Uh, July the 20th, uh, Ladies Bible Study at 11 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. So if you're part of that, uh, please join them then. Uh, July 22nd, That's uh, this coming Saturday, we're having our back to school bash for the Crusaders for Christ. Uh, this week, uh, like I said, just uh, be promoting that out there. Uh, we want to try to get as many kids in here as we possibly can. So, so uh, if you know somebody that wants to come by, please tell them about that. Uh, we got about 100 school bags, backpacks, with uh, a few school supplies in it. So. If you know somebody who needs a backpack for their children, please let them know, and uh, then come by and pick one up. Uh, McKenzie Wood has a baby shower on July the 23rd at 4 o'clock, uh, so remember that. And our yearly conference is coming up on August the 2nd. Uh, again, if uh, you are interested in the office or uh, maybe you want to step down from my office, uh, please see Brother Terry and myself uh, before uh, the 2nd. Tw- the, the uh, that's about it thank you
0: remember that
1: thing tonight so uh all the youth
0: that can come out tonight and help sister janet with the youth choir Good job Gracie enjoyed that. Uh, it is good, glad, uh, good to have brother Casey Kerr with us this morning. This time he'll be making his way on up. Uh, been talking, texting back and forth with him. Hadn't met him in person till today. I uh, Think it was his grandfather that I used to know that preached at my dad's church many times. And uh, we got talking on the phone, a little uh, t- texting back and forth a little bit. Found out when knew a lot of people that uh, both of us knew. So. Glad to have him today, y'all pray for him as he preaches for us, and here's some water over I here. here, I just promise I didn't drink that, <laughs> I did leave a fly up here flying around, <laughs> well I've
3: got to tell you, we got to move this, the uh, first time I preached, very first sermon I ever preached, I got up here, water was sitting here just like this, spilled it all over the remembrance table in the offering, same scenario, so I had flashbacks when I saw this sitting here, so. This is going to go over here for now yeah, so ever since then they've given me bottled water with a cap so but it's good to be here today um I, I got to tell y'all i'm'm I'm, I'm a little nervous I'm a little nervous because uh like like brother Terry said we've we know a lot of the same people and then uh I talked to brother Tim Lords the other day uh, y'all know the lord's family the lord lord family that sings and he was a missionary, and uh he started telling me about some of the people that preached here and man, I went from being excited about coming to being super nervous about getting here because I'm telling you y'all had some mighty men of God stand behind this pulpit and uh it, it give me it gave me flashbacks this this whole morning has given me flashbacks about even my wife mentioned it like this setup that y'all have right here is like from from our church. I mean like when we were kids growing up where where I met my wife, uh, where I got saved at, where I got called to preach at. And and then when like I said about the great men of God, that was the way it was at the church I grew up. The every time I'd get up, I think, "Oh my goodness, the the men that have stood behind this sacred desk and held on to it and prayed and preached and souls have been saved and. All that was just coming back to me this morning, seeing this, y'all's wonderful choir. I mean, it, this has just been nostalgic this morning, and I've never even been here. So I thank y'all for the opportunity. I thank y'all for calling me. I have no idea why in the world, after some of the preachers you've had up here, you would want me up here. But we'll do our best this morning to preach to you what the Lord has laid on our hearts. Um, but who, who is in charge of getting the room? You are... Did my wife call you? Okay, let me tell you. Yesterday was my wife's birthday. I know, 20 years old, right baby? Okay, yesterday was my wife's birthday. And I believe with every bit of my heart that she called you and said, Hey, it's my birthday because they put me up in a room that is right across from the outlet mall. So, you know where we ended up for her birthday yesterday. I'm not complaining, she, she deserves everything and more, but, uh, but no, I, I do, I appreciate the, the motel room, it's wonderful, it's, it's just above and beyond, and the hospitality has been absolutely fantastic here. Felt feel like I've just fit in here because y'all are our kind of people. Yeah. Now, I'm going to give you a little test before, y'all want to, y'all can go ahead and be turning to Nehemiah. Uh, but I want to give you a test real quick before we really get into the message. Who all in here can say amen? Let me hear you. Okay, that's pretty good. We might need to do it a little bit better. One more time. Who all in here knows how to say amen? amen. Who all in here is thankful for the blood of Calvary this morning? Amen. How many of y'all are thankful that you don't have to go to hell this morning? Amen. Okay, I need to have that kind of backing this morning. So that was your test. If you can keep that up, everything's gonna be just fine this morning. Book of Nehemiah, if you want to, turn to chapter number six, if you will. Nehemiah. I'm gonna give you a little background while you get there. Uh Nehemiah is a very good book for a Christian to read. It's a good book for a Christian to look at and example his life after and see the way that Nehemiah went about the call that God had placed on his life. And you can kindly pattern your life after that. Now, Nehemiah, Nehemiah was a cupbearer. That's all he was. He was a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes from the uh from just getting out of captivity, so they weren't really in bondage and slavery. But they were still subservient to these people. And he was the king's cupbearer. How many of y'all know what a king's cupbearer is? It's the person who brings the drink to the king right before he does it. He has to taste what he's given the king. You know why he does that? Because it could be poison. They could be trying to kill the king. So if you look at Nehemiah, the people that looked at Nehemiah, would he look like he was worth a whole lot to the people? Think about that for a second and compare your life to that. When, you look at, when the people looked at Nehemiah, they'd think this man's life isn't worth anything. Because he could be the last person to take that sip just to try to see if it's poison for the king. So his life wouldn't mean nothing. Because you know if it was poison, you know what they would have in there five minutes later? Another cupbearer. That's exactly right. So his life didn't mean a whole lot in in standards of people, did it? But Nehemiah's life means a whole lot more than that to the Lord. Just like your life means so much more to the Lord than we give it credit for. So if if you're in chapter number 6, I want to ask that you stand out of respect of the reading of the word this morning. We're just going to read three verses real quick. Because Nehemiah got tasked with a calling besides the cupbearer. The word of the Lord came to Nehemiah and wanted Nehemiah to go back and rebuild the temple walls around the temple. Temple's already built. He's wanting to rebuild the walls. Now, walls are important in this day and age. I'm talking super important. Walls represent how important it is of what's inside those city walls. But they also represent keeping what's bad out. Keep that in mind. So Nehemiah has put, got this task given to him and he has, he has went about and he started doing what God has called him to do. He started working so hard and he's, he's, he is 98.9% complete with building the walls. And that's where we're going to get to today. And it says this in chapter number six. Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gate. So get this picture in your mind. These walls are complete. The walls all the way around the city, they're done. But there's still this, this little gap for the gate. Everything's done, even the posts are there to set the gates upon But it says, everything's done except for that one thing. So when it says, I had not set the doors upon the gate, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. Here's our text verse. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work. Did y'all get that? And I sent messenger unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Title of my sermon this morning is I Ain't Coming Down. I Ain't Coming Down. Y'all understand what ain't means? we from south. We're almost south Georgia. We're Georgia. I'm from Tennessee. I'm as country as the country comes. Redneck as it gets, I don't care. I'm going to say ain't. So I ain't coming down this morning. I used to have a, a teacher in school that used to say ain't ain't a word. I wish I could go back to Miss Johnson in the seventh grade and say, Google it now, woman. I was right. Because, because ain't is a word. And folks, we need to get to that point in our Christian walk and whatever God has called us to do where we can stand up there on the walls and say, you know what? I ain't coming down this morning. Dear Lord, as I come to you in prayer this morning, I want to thank you for the opportunity to stand in your pulpit this morning, God. Lord, I pray that you'll just hide me behind the cross, move me out of the way, keep me from saying things I shouldn't, help me to say the things I should, and be sure to give you the honor and glory and praise for it all. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we get to this point where, where I told you these walls were built, and there's nothing left but just where the gates go. Now picture in your mind these city walls. These city walls weren't just a a two-by-four wall that that had some stucco on the outside or whatever you want to put on it. These walls were wide. They they were so wide that at the top of a wall, a man could walk on top of these walls. So Nehemiah is up here. He is protecting the city. Now, when he gets to one side of the wall, he has to walk all the way around it to get to the other side. Because remember what I said about he's protecting what's inside that by keeping what's out out and then protecting what's inside because it's so important. That's a picture of the church, folks. We need to get to where our walls are built so strong. We're going to keep the world out and we're going to keep what's important in here. It's got so bad in this day and age where people are just letting anything in through those doors and putting some of the worst stuff out. That it makes me sad to even see some of them call themselves church. That's the day and age that we're living in, folks. It's the day and age where where if you want this place packed, you know what you got to do? You got to paint these walls black. You you got to get you a smoke machine, right? You you, got to have all kinds of flashing lights. This thing needs to be glass. I mean, if you want to draw a crowd, that's what you got to do, right? All you need is a fog machine, preacher, and skinny jeans. But that's what we've gotten to yes, sir. because there's nobody up on the walls anymore. We've gotten to the point where the people that have stood in the gap, stood in the breach, and have been the ones that have been called to do something, to stand in that breach, to, to stand guard over what God has called them to do, the burden that He's put in their heart. There's so many Christians, so many churches across this country that have said, you know what? I believe I'm going to come down. I believe I'm going to come down. Well, Maryville Baptist Church, you know what I want you to do this morning? I want you to say in your heart that we ain't coming down this morning. That's what I want you to do. You know why? Because it's what I was telling you about. Why I've been so excited and why I've been so nervous. Because I get to go somewhere where they sing the Redback Hymnals. I get to go somewhere where they worship the Lord in spirit and truth. I get to go somewhere where they're hungry for the gospel. That's why you get these great men of God to come. That's why you get the family like the Lord's to come and sing the old hymns. That's what I want for this church. I want y'all to stand up there on the walls, protect what's inside here, and keep what's back out and say i ain't coming down this morning i'm gonna give you a few reasons why some churches are coming down why some christians are coming down and then i'm going to try to give you a few why we shouldn't and then we'll try to get to a steakhouse or something reason number one that churches are coming down christians are coming down it's because they've gotten their comfort zone their comfort zone folks Churches all across this nation are so comfortable because they've got all the nice padded pews. They've got all the nice sound equipment, all the video equipment. And I'm not against all this stuff. But they've gotten to the point to where they've just got to that, that, that certain level and said, we're okay just right here. They're comfortable. The offerings are good. The, there's, there's people that are showing up. I don't I, I, Listen. I'm not interested in how many people are coming. I'm interested in how many people the church is sending. Think about that. we We have a very small church where I'm assistant pastor at, very small church. But you know what I love about it? Every Sunday, one of the preachers is going somewhere. There's, there's people that are going to revivals. There's people that are going to camp meetings, going to youth meetings, youth camps. That's what I want to see. I want to see the ones that are hungry for more. I want to see the ones that are looking to do what God's called them to do and go instead of just stay and sit because they're comfortable. Let me give you a little illustration. Best illustration in the world about comfort zone. How many of y'all men in here have a recliner? Praise the Lord. I have a recliner at home, and I love my recliner. It's one of them big, big things. I mean, nice and cushy and probably fit two or three people in it. Matter of fact, I think when the kids were little, they all sat in there with me. But when you're in your comfort zone in your recliner and kick back, you're nice and comfortable and cozy, aren't you? Yes, sir. I enjoy that time, especially if I've got a Dr. Pepper in my hand. But I'll be sitting there in that recliner. And then my wife will walk in. And she'll say, honey, do you mind taking out the trash? All of us men in here, y'all better shake y'all's head and agree on this. We'll say, I'll get right to it. Do we not? Is that not what we say? That, c- because, and we have, we have good intentions, don't we, fellas? We have 100% good intentions. But as we sit there... We just realize just how comfortable we are. And then we, we say in our heads, well, honey, I'll, I'll get that during a commercial. Right? Come on, fellas. Say amen. We had the test earlier. Amen. We'll get there and we'll, we'll be in that, that spot. And it's just like, we know that that garbage is there ready for us to take it out. We know that we should be doing that. We know that someone said something that we are responsible to do, but we're comfortable. But then, wife comes in the room a second time. You know she's in there, but then you know you've been too comfortable for too long because you start hearing the rustling of that garbage bag coming out of that can, don't you? You see where I'm going with this, folks? Churches are coming down because they're so comfortable, they've gotten so comfortable, they can't even hear the words that the Lord has spoke to them, telling them what their job is to do, telling them what they're supposed to be doing, telling them about the work that they're supposed to be doing, because they've gotten so comfortable this morning. It's happening all over the country. Not only comfortable, and Brother Clay, you said this this morning, so this really reaffirmed my message. They've gotten complacent. Let me read you the definition of the complacency self satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual danger. Churches have gotten complacent. That means they think they can do everything themselves. They don't need the Holy Ghost anymore, they don't need the Spirit anymore. They don't need unction anymore. They don't need anointing anymore. All they need is self. All they need is the fact that their bank account is overflowing. All they need is the fact that their lights are still showing. Because you know why? They've got to the point where they've they've just pushed God right out of the way. And pushed his spirit out of the way. And they've had these, bo- these boring, dull sermons. Where people are just coming in. Going through the motions. filling their spiritual quota for the week. And they think, you know what? Who even needs the Lord? Because look what we're doing on our own. They've gotten so complacent with church. Folks, I don't want to ever get to that spot like Brother Clay was talking about. Where I'm complacent with the fellowship that I have with the Lord. I don't want to be there. I want to come in every service looking to see what the Lord is going to do that day. Not what the choir director is not going to do. Not what the pianist is going to do or the teacher or so on and so forth. But what God has in store for the church that day. What He's going to do. The way He's going to move in a Spirit. The way He's going to work in lives. The convicting power that might fall on some lost soul's heart and run to this altar and find forgiveness and salvation. I don't want to be complacent because I don't want to come down. Another reason. This is a big one. Huge one. Compromise. Churches are coming down all over because they've decided to compromise. Folks, I ain't no compromiser. I am not a compromiser. Do you know what compromise will get you? It will get this King James Version. Throw it out the back door. Do you know what compromising will do? It will be a quote unquote preacher standing up here in blue jeans and a t-shirt. Let's be honest with it. It will. Hey, I put a post on Facebook this week. Oh my Lord. Did they come out of the woodwork on me? It was just a simple post. Actually shared it from Cody Zorn, so that's my buddy. I appreciate him doing that to me. But all it was was all the sports announcers, NFL, NBA, whatever. And it just said how they dress up for their God. And you know, you know how sports announcers dress. They look sharp. I get envious. I think, man, I need to do a part-time job for that and see if I can just keep the suit as a payment. But there I said, this is how they Worship their God, meaning the sports and everything. And then you had the, the Stephen Furticks of the world, the Ron Whites, the Todd crazy psycho. I can't even remember his last name. Uh, but it showed how they dress to worship their God. And it was all skinny jeans, holes in it, and just t-shirts that I wear under my suit. Just, just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But you will not believe the backlash that I got off of it because of some of the compromisers, some of the compromisers. Do you know what? I don't care if it says nowhere in here that Jesus didn't wear a three-piece suit when he stood behind a pulpit. You know what? He was, it was the Lord's best that was given to us. Why can't we give our best to him every Sunday? every preacher across this country will dress up for a dead body to go preach a funeral but they won't dress up for a risen Savior when they come into the church to worship Him. And that ain't even preaching to the people. I'm talking about the preacher that stands behind the pulpit. You should be able to tell who the preacher is, who the pastor is of a church. I've been to churches all across this country. I've walked in some... (laughs) I went to a funeral at one church pretty big church and everybody was coming up to me like i was the pastor i don't even go here folks and i mean seriously it was ever you must be the pastor not here i am somewhere but that's what it is they've gotten so compromised to where church doesn't even look like church anymore it's when you it, we should be able to tell where the church ends and the world begins folks It's gotten so bad, it's just the exact opposite. You can't tell when you're coming out of the world into a church anymore. Because compromise is running rampant. Another reason, I'm trying to hurry along here, is because of convenience. Talked about this during Sunday school, brother. We are living in a COVID Christian church era. I was in Pennsylvania here not long ago. And one of the deacons was taking me around and took, taking me out to eat and show me some of the churches. And he said, yeah, this church right here is still having parking lot services. And I had to check my watch and make sure I wasn't in back to the future or nothing. But I said, are you serious? He said, oh, yeah. He said on their Facebook page, it says honk once for amen Honk twice for hallelujah and flash your lights if you want to be saved. That's a true story. I'm not making that up. You can't make that up. But you know what? There's people that still do that. You know why? Because it's convenient. It's convenient. And when you get to that convenient stage, there ain't no convicting stage. When, When people are... Posting on Facebook and I have a friend who done this and Lord, I had to pray about our friendship This this was recent. This was like within the last year He was posting a picture on Facebook Okay, you know how how women always post the the hot dog picture when they're at the beach Where it just looks like two hot dogs laying in the sand Y'all know Every woman in here knows don't you? But he did that, you know, because when you're on the beach, you'll take a picture of your feet in the sand and everything. Well, he was posting a picture of him and his wife laid in bed in their pajamas with their feet showing, but their church service on TV. It said, I love Sunday morning service. What? But that's where we're at, folks. Folks. We wonder when we drive down the road, when we see these old churches that were a staple in a community, that were strong in their conviction, and, and all of a sudden their doors are shut. It's because it's not convenient to wake up early on Sunday morning and actually get prepared and dressed to go to the house of the Lord anymore. It's because it's not convenient to have to sit here in church for two hours on a Sunday morning. For an hour and a half on, on Sunday night. And heaven forbid, we got to go for another time in the middle of the week. But I promise you, we'll get up at the crack of dawn on a Saturday morning and go to some softball field or baseball field and sit for 12 hours all day long and get up and do it again on Sunday because it's not convenient to come to church. Churches have come down all over because it's not convenient. Do you know what convenience is? A microwave. How many of y'all ever had a microwave pizza? I used to have them all the time when I got home from school. Some of these younger generations shaking their head, and I said, I would shake my head too, because we started out with it. But I used to come home from school every day to my grandparents' house, and I'd eat one of those microwave pizzas. they give you this little cardboard stand that's got some painted-on aluminum foil to set this thing on. There's some of y'all that know exactly what I'm talking about. And you'll put that thing in the microwave, and I got it down to a science. I mean, it was a science. Two minutes, 31 seconds. Had to have the one on there. Two minutes, 31 seconds. And I'd have that microwave pizza. But how many of y'all, when you pulled that microwave pizza out and you took that first bite, you lost every taste bud you had? Because (laughs) it just absolutely scalded scalded, I mean skin hanging down off the roof of your mouth. That's why, why we ate microwave pizzas because we couldn't taste it all. It was like the first bite was good and that was it. But the more you ate that microwave pizza, that outside, scalding hot, right? I mean, we know it burned your roof of your mouth, taste buds gone. It was hot on the outside. But the closer you got to the middle of that pizza, what was it? Ice cold. That's the convenient church today, folks. They might be scalding hot on the outside. They might be piping hot. And you might think they're just some on-fire Christian, but they're not. Because the more you get to the inside of it, the more you put them in a situation where their Christian colors need to show, you realize just how ice cold they are on the inside. When it's not convenient for them to get to church, you'll see that they're ice cold on the inside. But you know what I want? I want a brick oven pizza, folk. I want one that's been in the fire. I want one that's seen some trials. I want one that's been tested and been tried and they found favor in the eyes of God because they're not some convenient Christian. There's some Christian that stood up on that wall like Nehemiah and said, you know what? I don't care what my enemies bring my way. I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to say, I ain't coming down this morning. I'm going to give you a few reasons why we can't come down, and I'm done. I'll probably just give you three here. Reason number one, I can't come down, is because of 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises unto Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Reason number one, I can't come down this morning... Is because of the calling that's on my life, folks. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some of y'all a shock. If you're saved this morning, if you're one of His, you have a calling on your life. You say, well, I, the Lord hasn't told me that I'm supposed to be a preacher. I don't care. Not everyone is a preacher. The, the Lord has not told me that I'm supposed to be a Sunday school teacher. Not everyone is supposed to be a Sunday school teacher. Listen, my Bible tells me that as a preacher, I am apt to teach. You know what that word apt means? It means able. That's all I am when it comes to teaching is able. I am not a Sunday school teacher, but I am able to if the case calls for it. So that's not my calling. It's just one of the provisions of my calling. But there's some people that are not called to sing, believe it or not. That's why the Bible says to make a joyful noise. That's me. <laughs> I told my wife when I had this mic on, I said I ain't singing a word this morning. I said because somebody'll pull a joke and hit that unmute button up there, and everybody in here will run for the doors. But if you're one of his, if you've been bought by his blood, you have a calling on your life. Listen, I I have a I had this dear dear saint of God. I mean, I have known this woman since I was since before I was saved, five six years old. And I got saved. She was at the church where I got saved at. At the church where I got saved at. At the church where I got called to preach at. Where I got married at. And even uh, up up until just here recently, she even came to the church where I'm assisting at. Uh, revival broke out there. I mean, just one of those spontaneous revivals. It was three weeks long and just out of nowhere. But this little saint of God, I think 96 years old, honey. 86, don't really matter when you get that age, (laughs) 86 years old, and making her way up there almost every night, every night, I never saw her teach a Sunday school class, I never saw her sing, hardly, I mean, maybe early years, but I don't even know if she sang then, I mean, nothing. But you know what that woman's calling was? Her calling was to sit back here about where you're at, brother. Every time I preach, she is sitting right here. You know what she was doing for me and would let me know before and after? She was praying for, me, praying for me. Praying for me. Praying for me all the way up until the day she died. I promise you that. That was her calling. Some of y'all in here, You may not even know it. You may not even exemplify it right now, but that's your calling. Your calling may be just to pray for this church. Your calling may be to pray for this pew right here. It would do all of us good to get that calling on our lives to realize just how important prayer is and realize what prayer can do, how prayer can change things and use that calling and put it towards some things. Because you're called of God. You're a royal priesthood, a peculiar people called out of darkness into His marvelous light. Every one of us have a calling that we got to do, folks. Nehemiah had a calling. His was a very specific calling. You know what? Your calling is a very specific calling. You know how important that little old lady's calling was? This morning, I got a text from her daughter. Last Sunday, I got a text from her daughter. The Sunday before that, Ever since she has gone on to glory, and Lord, let me even preach her funeral. Ever since she's gone on to glory, her daughter has texted me every morning before I've stood in the pulpit on Sunday. Saying, just want to let you know, I'm praying for you. You see how important your calling is, folks? Because there's another, there's another reason why we can't come down this morning. Not because just only you're calling, it's because of the concern you got. And when I say concern, when you're doing your calling, there's a generation of young ones coming up behind you that we need to be concerned about, folks. All y'all young folks in here, 12 years old and under, stand up for me, please. I ain't going to embarrass you, I ain't going to come point you out or anything. But church, I want you to take a look around right now. I want you to take a look around at how important it is that we don't come down this morning, that we've got a calling on our life. And you know what else? We've got concerns in our lives right here. This right here, people always say, well, that's the next generation church. That's the next generation church. Folks, if we don't do our part, We're not going to have a next generation church. If we come down off the walls, we won't see this in churches anymore. I've been all over the country. This is a rarity to see this many young people in a church on a Sunday morning anymore. Thank you, kids. Y'all can be set down. But you know what? That's a concern that I have while I'm standing on the wall trying to defend the world from getting in here and sending our message out. Because if we don't get our kids, they sure will. I saw a clip on the news this week and it broke my heart. We all know last month was the pride month. And I saw all the alphabet people marching. And, and this, this is, I'm, I'm not even trying to be funny right here, but this is exactly what they were saying as they were marching down a public street. Said, we're here, we're queer, and we're coming for your children. We're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children. Folks, we can't come down because of the concern we have for our children. We can't come down because of concern that we have for our church. Listen, if they don't have here to come to, where will they have? Listen, I know y'all looking for a pastor, and I'm not trying to be a mean preacher this morning, but you need to have all the concern in the world for whoever stands up here. You need to have enough concern about them children. You need to have enough concern about this church that the Lord has built to not let somebody come in here and try to take over and decide, hey, we're up here on the wall right now, but I think it'll be okay if we take a step down. Because after that first step, that second one gets a lot easier, don't it? And before you know it, you've got all those reasons I give you before why churches are coming down. The convenience, the compromise, the comfort, the complacency. You'll have all that before you know it. So we got to have some concern this morning, folks. We've got to be concerned. I'm concerned at the shape of this country. This country is in dire straits and need of a global revival. And we won't have a revival of that sort if we don't get more concerned about what's going on in this country. If we don't get more concerned about what's going on in churches. If we don't get more concerned about our children, folks. We've got to be concerned. Nehemiah was on that wall standing strong. I mean strong. Because you go back, this is your homework assignment. I like to give homework assignments. Your homework assignment is go back and read Nehemiah this morning after church. Because see, Nehemiah, this sand ballot, Tobiah and Geshem, they were coming up against him from the word go. From the word go. They were trying to sabotage all the materials. They were trying to keep him to getting from one place to the other. They were trying to just sabotage all the work that was doing. But Nehemiah had that calling. He had enough concern about his calling that it didn't matter what the enemy was throwing at him, what they were bringing his way. He was still standing there. He was still standing on his convictions. He was still standing on his concerns. He had so much concern that he walked that wall back and forth, day and night, making sure he was keeping the world out. Making sure All the good that was inside is what was going out. Last thing, and I'm going to try to hurry and be done. Like I say, yeah, we're we're going to get done right here. Last reason why we can't come down. We can't come down because of the confidence we have. You say, well, what do you mean the confidence you have? Remember, I told you, I'm going I'm to give you a little glimpse into your homework assignment. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, turn over that real quick. This is why Nehemiah didn't come down. Nehemiah chapter number 2, verse 7, when you get there, say amen. amen. Moreover, I said unto the king, If it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river. That they may convey, that word simply means to watch over, to give me comfort as I pass through, that they may convey over me till I come into Judea. You know why we can't come down? Because we have a letter from the king. See, in in this day, we've all seen this depiction in movies and everything, that if, if someone had something from a king they they would they would wrap it up in their little scroll and they would put their stamp of approval on it they would usually it was in wax with the king's ring or something like that y'all know what I'm talking about and and that letter would give them authority to do whatever if they had to go through some enemy's territory or something all they would have to do is say hey i've got this letter from the king i need you to to let me pass through here i need you to make sure none of the other enemies try to come after me because make sure that they all know that I have this letter from the king so Nehemiah he had this calling from the lord had it placed in his life he knew he was going to run up against opposition church you're going to run up against opposition there's a sand ballot in Tobiah and Geshem waiting right outside these doors but we got a letter from the king We can be confident as we stand on the wall defending this church, fighting the world, sending out the gospel message. We can be confident because we have a letter from the King that will convey over us, that will watch over us. You mind if I tell you what that letter says? I'll, I'll I'll do you one better. I'll tell you when the letter was written. That letter was written a little over 2,000 years ago on a hill of Golgotha. And our Savior, who had a debt, or who was paying a debt, He didn't owe because we had one we couldn't pay. He was paying that debt for each and every one of us in here because in His great foreknowledge, He saw this day, this day. And as He hung there, on Calvary's cross, he wrote the letter for each and every one of us that will give us confidence. Because you see, one of the last things, it's always been debated. I've tried to read it out and find out for sure what the, the exact last two statements are. We either know it is finished or into thy hands I commend my spirit, right? It's one of the last two. But I would like to think in my heart... I'm not adding to this holy canon. Don't think I'm doing that. I like to think it was, it is finished. Because that, that it is finished, the actual phrase that our Savior cried from the cross of Calvary was not our English slang. It was not in English. He didn't say, it is finished. He said, to tell us die. And the, you know what's so important about that? is that phrase holds a lot of meanings. I mean a lot of meanings. It it was a phrase that that bankers would use. Stay with me here because I'm going somewhere. Bankers, when, when you would go to a banker and they would write you a bank note saying you owe X amount of dollars or you need to pay this much on this property or whatever the case may be or... We need this many sheep to to make sure that this debt's paid in full to this man. Whenever that debt would be paid off, whenever it would be completed, do you know what the banker would say to the customer? He would say, To tell Ain't you so glad that our debt was paid in full? He said, To telesta. Do you know what else? Artist. Artist, if they were painting a picture. They would, they would put some paint in one spot. And they'd stand back and look at it and see if it needed a little more. They'd go back to that painting over and over and over again until it was absolutely complete. Sound like a picture of the Old Testament? How, how somebody was just with their mighty big paintbrush painting all this stuff? And as they would stand back and look at their artwork, everything that they had been working for, everything that they had poured their heart and soul in, in that perfect picture... They would stand back and they would say, "To tell us, die. It is finished." Sound a lot like the cross at Calvary, how our debt was paid. That picture that had been painted all throughout the Old Testament. Well, there was another group of people that would say, "To tell us, die." In the Old Testament, when all those priests were working in temples and all those people would bring a sacrifice to the priests. He'd set him up on the table there. He'd be looking over that lamb, checking him for any spots or blemishes, any imperfections, just to see if this lamb was a good sacrifice. See if it met all the qualifications. See if it met all the standards. And as that lamb was there on that table, that priest would step back and look at it and say, Tetelestai, meaning that this sacrifice... It'll do. This sacrifice will do. Yes, sir. Ain't it something how all that is all tying together to Calvary's Hill? Ain't it something how the high priest stood up there on that cross and said to Telestai, it is finished? Well, the last thing. Like, this is my favorite. By far my favorite. Telestai was also a phrase that generals would use in the army. Because, you see, they would would go out to their troops. They'd have a battalion over here in this area. And say, look, y'all have this job you've got to do. All you've got to do is go to this spot, do this one thing, and stay right here. No matter what, you've got to do this job right here. Now, he has several battalions. So he would always go to each individual battalion. And say, look, y'all have a certain job to do. It don't matter what they do over here because you've got something you've got to do. And if we're going to win this war at all, if you don't do this, we're not going to have a prayer. He'd go to each and every individual battalion in his entire army and give them their specific orders. There are specific duties that they have to do that they can't, they can't waver on what this side's doing. They can't wonder what the next one's going to do because if they didn't do their job, the war would be over. And then you know what that general would do? That general, he would go somewhere. You look this up and this is in there. He would go to a spot That was high and lifted up. This is the army military phrase. He would go to a spot that was high and lifted up. So he could see just what each individual battalion was doing. He could see if they were doing their job. He could see if the next one was doing theirs. He would see every one of them. He would see the battle that was raging over here. He'd see the battle that this group's facing. He'd see the battle that the one in the back is facing. He'd see everyone's battle that they're facing. And then there's a certain point in the hottest part of the war when they're getting almost over and almost done with he would look over and if it got to this point he would yell out to tell to tell and you know what that phrase means in a military term it means it does not matter what the enemy does from this point forward it doesn't matter if they try to come at us harder than they ever have this part has done their job. They've done their job. They've done their job. And there's nothing they can do from this point on to win this war. Because this war is ours. We have the victory. When Christ died on Calvary's cross, he wrote a letter for each and every one of us that said, to Tetelestai, it is finished. There's nothing that the devil can do from this point on to win this war because we have the victory, church. He stood up there and cried to tell us, die, giving each and every one of us the confidence that we need to stand on this wall. Marilyn, you come get a song this morning. If you've sat here this morning and said, you know what? I ain't coming down. I got some news for you. I've already told you, but I'm going to tell you again because we're coming to the end of the service. If you've said in your heart, that I've got a calling in my life and I want to do what God has called me to do and I'm going to get up on that wall and I'm going to stand there I'm going to stand firm and I'm going to stand there and say I ain't coming down here's the news I got for you Sandballot, Tobiah and Geshem are waiting right outside on you seeking to do you harm seeking to throw a monkey wrench in everything that God has called you to do. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord is your Savior and you don't have that written letter from Him, I'm here to tell you you can get it this morning. That same blood that was shed on Calvary's cross for this old wretched, dirty, rotten sinner that isn't even worthy to be standing behind this pulpit saw fit to send his son to die on an old rugged cross for me. And he saw fit to do it for each and every one of us. And he's got a letter waiting saying, hey I've paid your debt. I've paid the ultimate sacrifice. And if you accept me as your savior, there's nothing, nothing that the devil can throw at you to win this war from here on out. I'd like to ask that y'all stand G.V. I'm going to turn it back over to the chair here and I'm not going to sit up here and drag this out. But if you've got any reason this morning that you need to pray, feel free to come pray. If you just need your confidence back this morning because Sandball and Tobias and Geshe have been beating you up all week long, Come get it back this morning. Look, church, I know, like I said, we don't talked about y'all looking for a pastor. Come and pray about your pastor. Come and pray for the man that God would send right here in this pulpit. That he would have the unction. And the capability to stand up here and say, hey, I see what the Lord has done here. I see the way that these people are coming to worship. I see that they're looking for something. And I'm going to stand up here on this wall and say, I ain't coming down. If we would realize just how underutilized prayer is as a tool in our Christian lives, these all would be full. You realize you have a direct line. direct line. And we underutilize it so much. Church, I'm just asking. I'm asking you as a little country boy from Tennessee that was born in this kind of stuff right here, that was raised in this kind of stuff. And as a 43-year-old man now, don't want to see this stuff go away I'm asking pray for your church this morning that they'll be able to stand and say you know what we may be in a battle right now Sandballot, ballot to buy and guess may have us on the ropes but we can have all the confidence in the world because we've got a letter from the king but Terry, go ahead I'm done thank y'all for y'all's time 354